Hallelujah. Anyway, I'm excited to get into the Word tonight. And I'm going to continue on the basics of prayer. How many people were here last Wednesday or you at least listened to the message? And man, just a lot of just powerful things in the basics of prayer and understanding prayer. You know, uh, prayer isn't just a, a religious ritual that we're supposed to do because we're we're Christians. It's it is our right and it's our privilege to be to be prayers. Amen. Amen. Prayer isn't a, a special calling that a select few have. It's not for a few selected in a back room of a church somewhere. It's not selected for a fivefold ministry gift. It's selected for believers. Believers. Are you a believer? Amen. Amen. And, you know, last week we brought, talked about be followers of those who through faith and patience inherited the promise. You know, and in, in faith and patience can be words that we look kind of abstractly as, well, I'm a man of faith. And, well, I'm a man that has great patience. And, and, but what does, what does that look like day in and day out? What does a person of faith look like on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? And so you say, well, I'm a man of faith. Well, well, if you're a man of faith, then in order to be a man of faith, you also have to be a man of prayer. So though, following those who through faith and patience received a promise, it wasn't just because they said, I have faith. No, it was seen with their relationship with God. It was seen with their connection with heaven. It was seen with their fellowship with the Father. And, you know, I'm going to get into some things tonight, but just for the sake of review, just this aspect of prayer, it's, you know, um, the word, just the Greek word for prayer, if we just break that word down, and it's, and it's prosuke, and the word pros, P-R-O-S in the Greek, the root word for prayer in the Greek means to come near. It means to fellowship with. So, so very, if you look at the Greek word, you, you look at, you look at it means it's not something that I do from a distance. It's not something that I'm throwing darts at something and I hope something sticks. But no, the very aspect of it is for me to draw near with my heart. To draw near, draw near with my heart, draw near with, with all that I am, draw near, meaning this is about partnership. This is about joint interest. Jeremiah, come here for a second. You see, it's, you stay, stay right there for a second. So a lot of times we have this concept of prayer as, as I'm, I'm praying and, and it's this aspect, well, I, I hope God hears me. I, I just hope, I hope he hear, I hope he heard that. God, do you hear me? God, do you hear me? Or you kind of say it like in this aspect of one of the reasons, one of the things I say why people don't pray is when they don't feel like they're worthy. But if we really got a hold of this aspect of prayer is prayer is my, my right to get linked up with God and for me to be in partnership with him, not just on Sunday, but to be with him throughout my day, to communicate throughout my day. To constantly be walking and talking no matter what I'm doing. It, prayer doesn't have to be this, this set aside time for four to five, six or seven hours, but it's this daily communication. And we saw that in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It tells us, it says, prayer without ceasing. And then it goes on, it says, for this is the will of God concerning you. You know what the will of God is for your life? Live a lifestyle of prayer. Amen. That's, that's one of those things there. Rejoice forevermore, prayer without ceasing, give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God concerning you. So this is the aspect of, you know, the pray, prayer is, 
is a lifestyle of prayer is, a, is God's will for my life. It's the will of, of God for your life as a believer. Amen. So it's this aspect of drawing near. It's about coming near. Amen. Prayer is a responsibility to every believer, young or old. It's about communion. It's about fellowship. And I brought this up. Two fundamental reasons why we pray. One, it's an opportunity to have fellowship with God. And secondly, to get results. Whether it's to, it's, whether it's to receive a download from heaven, whether it's wisdom, whether it's a change, whether it's a healing, whether it's whatever the case might is, the ultimately is, is to get results. To get results. Amen. So, so that's why we're, it's not just this, this aspect of I'm going through this ritual, but no, it's about change, it's about fellowship and it's about changing something. Um, go to 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 12 and I'm going to read this and then we're going to get into some, my assignment is tonight. And really my assignment tonight dealing with, because I've taught on prayer, I think last time I taught on prayer, I think I did 14 messages on prayer. And so we're keeping in this back to the basics. We're keeping it to two and, and like, I'm just touching on basics here. And, um, but in first Peter chapter three, verse 12, it says, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Let me, let me see those that are righteous. Amen. Amen. You're righteous, right? We're, we're righteous because of Jesus, right? Now it says, says, it says, for the eyes are over the righteous. So, so that means the Lord is looking for righteous people to do something. (laughs) So he's looking for, his eyes are over you. And then what does it say? Then it says his ears are open unto their prayers. So not only is I, he's watching you, but also he's listening for something. But I think oftentimes he's not hearing much. He's not hearing much. He's watching. He's doing a lot of watching. He's doing a lot, lot of looking. But, but what is he hearing? His eyes are over the righteous and his ear, his ears are open unto their prayers. Man, he, he, he's, wait, he's waiting for you to pray. He's waiting for you to pray something that no one else has ever prayed. He's waiting for you to, to be thankful for something that no one's been thankful for. See, prayer, our prayers aren't just asking for something, but our prayers are seen in our praise. Our prayers are seen in our worship. Prayers are seen in our, in, in, in our giving. Prayers are seen in, in, in intercession. They're seen in travailing. They're seen when we pray in tongues. They're seen in so many aspects, but his ears are waiting for something. His ears are open, waiting to hear something. You know, Jesus was righteous. And I believe Jesus, his, his, Jesus, he understood the fact that he was in right relationship with the Father. And because we, he was in right relationship with the Father, he had this fellowship with the Father. He had this joint partnership with the Father. So let's go back, to, back a chapter to chapter 2. Of First Peter, First Peter chapter two. Have I told you what we're talking about yet tonight? <laughs> Prayer, but what aspect? Let's see. Verse twenty-one. It says, "For even to this were you called. It is inseparable 
from your vocation. For Christ also suffered for you, leaving you his personal example that you should follow in his footsteps. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Let me read that again. For even to this were you called, it is inseparable from your vocation. So it's inseparable from your vocation. Meaning, meaning as, as Jesus was called, so are you. For Christ also suffered for you, leaving you his personal example. Christ suffered for you. Now, now in this aspect of Christ's sufferings, you know, the word says, it said he learned obedience to the things that he suffered. Now, now the fact of his suffering wasn't suffering with sickness or disease. Now he took, he took, this was through his life, this was through his life in ministry on the cross. Yes, he, 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 he took on himself the iniquities of us all. He, he took on sin and sickness and disease. He took on everything for humanity, but it's talking about as he walked in his earthly ministry, the things that he suffered. What happened had to do with persecution. It had to do with the enemy's attacks. It had to do with temptations. It had to do with, with things that he faced personally, the things that he walked through personally, the, the, the grief he experienced personally, the, the loss of loved ones that he experienced. See, Jesus had said he was tempted in all points except without, but without sin. So Jesus had a flesh and bone just like you and I. He had a mind, he had a will and he had emotions. And here it tells us, it says that for even to this where you were called. And it is, the Amplified says, it is inseparable from your vocation for Christ also suffered for you. Get this, leaving you his personal example that you should follow his footsteps. Meaning, so as Jesus walked through challenging things in his life, he gave us an example that we, we could follow. And you're like, then you're like, okay, what was this? It says, he was guilty of no sin, neither was deceit or guile ever found in his lips. When he was reviled and insulted, he did not revile or offer insult in return. See, we would want to give someone the peace of our mind. <laughs> we want to go to blame and, and tell, tell, they just did me wrong. They just, they've just done me wrong. I, I'm, I'm going to get mine. You know, if we're going to be, but Jesus said he, he reviled not. He reviled not. Thank you, Father. It says when he abused and suffered, he made no threats of vengeance. But get this, but he trusted himself and everything to him who judges fairly. He trusted him who judges fairly. So let's take he trusted him who judges fairly. See, in order for him to trust him who judges fairly, he had to walk with him who judges fairly. He had to fellowship with him that judges fairly. You see, if, if your life is going, if you want to see your life go to another level in, in every area of your life, and if you want to see your life stop revisiting certain cycles that you've gone through year after year after year, then the issue is, is, is it's, it comes down to this fellowship with heaven, this fellowship with the word, this fellowship with our heavenly father. So, so tonight what I want to deal with is I want to talk about prayer in looking at the life of Jesus, looking at the life of Jesus, Jesus lived a life of prayer. Now, if it was important for Jesus to live a life of prayer, 
throughout his life, how much more should we? How much more should we? Should we? And, and I want you to know that this is a right and a privilege to each one of us. It's not for a few select. It's not, someone beca- it's not because you may have a title in front of your name. As a minister, no, this is, this is every single, it doesn't matter if you were born again one second or you've been born again for 50 years. It doesn't matter if you, you work on assembly line or you're, you're standing in, in, in the crusade, doing crusade evangelism. No, you, you have this place. You've been called to this place of prayer. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Christ is our example. We should follow his steps. So through the word, we see Jesus praying in many places over many things. He prayed among the hypocrites. He prayed among the Pharisees. He prayed among the Gentiles. He prayed over multitudes and he prayed among the crowds. He prayed over food. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed in front of the tomb of Lazarus. He prayed in the wilderness. He prayed in many situations and many places. He even prayed upon the cross. Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. He prayed. He lived a life of prayer. You know, if you go back to when Jesus was, was a young, young child at maybe 12 years of age. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it said, it said that he grew. He grew in wisdom, in favor with God and man. I mean, he had to grow in this. It, it all of a sudden just popped down on him because he was Jesus. It was something that he grew in. Go to Mark chapter 1. I've got lots of scripture we're going to turn to. But each one, we're not going to stay too long in each one. But I want you to place your eyes on some of these scriptures. Thank you, Father. Mark chapter 1. Verse 35. Thank you, Father. And the King James says, And in the morning, when was it? And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and he departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Wow. I, I think, it, I think that, that, that could be a good practice that... That we 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 implement in our lives is you sometimes you, you you just have to get away from all the busyness. See Jesus, uh, he it was there was a lot of things where it said and as his custom was, you know. Now it doesn't might not didn't say it here, but but I, I believe Jesus he he lived this this lifestyle of prayer. I believe this was a habit of his. Early in the morning, rising up a great way, while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he there he prayed. And he went away from the busyness of everything that was going on, and this was this was something that he understood. And when I see early in the morning, I don't see it as necessarily as a ritual because you can make early morning prayer a ritual and you don't receive anything out of it, nor are you gaining anything out of it or, or anything happened or changed in the spirit or changed around you if it just becomes a religious duty. But I believe when he really talking about early in the morning here, I believe from Jesus perspective, it it spoke a priority, not religious duty. See, you can never, you can never let religious duty trump priority. Religious duty and priority don't, don't, don't equal each other. Priority means it's of utmost importance to 
my life, not to how I look in front of other people or not how I think about myself or, you know, hey, I was super spiritual today because I got up at 3 a.m. and I prayed for three hours. Well, you praise the Lord. Well, let me touch you. Don't find your holiness in how many hours you pray a day. And so, so, so the thing is, is, but, but what I want you to receive is, is it's, it's concerned of the, the priority of it because the priority of it and the practice of it will all of a sudden turn into longevity. It will spend more time doing it. You understand the vitalness of it. You'll see the results in it. And the more you see the results, the more you'll want to do it. Not because it's not because it's some sort of religious ritual and you can mark off how many hours you prayed. I've, I've known a lot of people that, that I, I, you know, they would tell me how long they pray, but they were meaner than anyone else I knew. And so I was like, it sounds like you need to get back in there because I mean, you are mean. I mean, I, I was like, you know, you know, I think if they kind of end up being like the Pharisees and when in Luke chapter 18, you know, it, you know, it says, it said there was two men and said, and said the one guy said went up and prayed with himself. <laughs> You know, they said the, the Pharisee, he said, he said, he was standing there. He said, Lord, thank God I'm not like him. And said he prayed with himself. You know, I don't want to be that. So, so the thing is, hear me. It's about priority. It's a, it's about a priority. So Jesus understood this life of prayer was a priority. It was vital to his life. Let's go to Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five. Verse 16, it says, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. He withdrew. He withdrew himself into the wilderness to pray. You know, I, just saying that, I was thinking about how looking at even the life of Moses and Aaron. And it's one of my favorite scriptures, you know, talking about you know, being a leader. And um, I believe it's maybe in Numbers chapter 20, possibly. And um, it talks about how everyone was wanting to kill them and stone them. And I love it says, uh, it, it says there in Numbers, it says, and they drew away from the noise of the people. And it said, and they came to the threshold of the house of God. And it said they, they bowed on their knees and it said, and the glory of God appeared to them. I love that because what happened is, is they had to get away from the noise of the people and get to that place to where the glory of God could appear to them. Amen. And that totally connects with what I ministered in anniversary service, that we're a house of faith, we're a house of prayer, a place of glory and a people of influence. You know, so... So this is why he withdrew himself, meaning he had to, he had to take himself out of the things that were keeping him from hearing from God. That's what fasting and prayer is about. Fasting isn't, isn't about you earning points with God. Fasting is about you silencing the voice of your flesh. Amen. And so he had to withdraw himself. So, so this was a practice that he did. And, and I wrote this down. It said, said he withdrew himself because he always had to be prepared for the next thing. Prayer time is preparation time. 
Jesus prepared for any circumstances and any situation because of his lifestyle of prayer. What does being prepared mean? Prepared is being adequately supplied. It means being fully equipped. So Jesus' life was adequately supplied because of his lifestyle of prayer. Jesus led a life of prayer to such a degree that his disciples turned to him and said, Master, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. You know, and, you know the thing is, is, is um, you know, when someone, you, you see someone gets results in an area of their life. Maybe it's losing weight. Maybe it's working out. Maybe it's in business. Maybe, you know, I, I don't want to follow a, a, a businessman that's, that's been, been bankrupt 27 times. You know, I'd want to follow a, a businessman that has some, has some track records. That has, that has some success. You know, and, and it's the same thing. It's like we're, we're, if we want results in our life, we want to find, I want to find someone that's doing that successful. You know, I, you know, it's like, I, 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 I want to, if I'm going to have a heart doctor, I want the best heart doctor. You know, I, I mean, you know, if someone's going to watch our, our granddaughter, I want to make sure that, that they, they've, they, they understand something. It's not their first rodeo. You know, I, I want, I want, and so here it's same thing with the disciples is they saw Jesus getting results and therefore they're like, I want that. I want that. I want that. You know, and that's, a, that's the reason we, you know, why I know the Lord's placed in our heart to do this prayer conference starting tomorrow night at seven o'clock. That's an infomercial. And then Friday night at seven o'clock and Saturday morning and then Sunday evening at six o'clock. And, and why? Because for one, the Lord said this, this is in order for us to go to the next levels of church. We need to come up in corporate prayer. Well, my thing with, with, with pastor John and Sharon, you know, being in ministry for 40 years and, and seeing the things that, that, that God has done through their lives and ministry, you know, I, 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 I want that to happen in our lives. Amen. And, and so, so the thing is, is, is I, I want, I want something that they have on their church and in their lives and in their, in their personal lives. I want that in our lives. So, so therefore, that's why I'm saying, Lord, I, I, the Lord said to have them come. Amen. And so it was the same thing with the disciples. Teach us to pray. Go to uh, Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Verse, thank you, Father. This is right after John the Baptist had been killed. Verse 12 says, And his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Verse 13, When Jesus heard of it, he departed from there by ship into a desert place apart. Now think about that. When Jesus heard it, he withdrew from the amplified says withdrew from there privately in a boat to a solitary place. But when the crowds heard of it, they followed him by land on foot and on crowds. When he, he went ashore and he saw the great crowd of people, he had compassion for them and he healed their sick. I don't think he just withdrew to a place just to withdraw. I believe he withdrew himself. Why? Because what his his cousin just was murdered. And so Jesus prayed when it came to overcoming emotional hurt. 
I believe Jesus, he had to withdraw himself in order for him to, to process this situation. Lord, how do I deal with this? And he went back and overcoming the emotion it came out. And what did he heal the sick? It's kind of like, I'm going to show you enemy. You're going to, you're going to kill some of my, my family. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to come out and I'm going to, I'm going to heal all the sick. I'm going to heal all the sick. See, you, so Jesus, I think Jesus kind of went to his solitary place and got an attitude. And, and got, and got a heavenly attitude and said, and, and said, God, you have called me for such a time as this. And I know that he was my family and I know the enemy was destroyed, it destroyed him. But you know what? I'm coming out of this place of prayer and I'm going to go out and we're going to see some people healed. Amen. Yeah, that's, that's the greatest thing that you can do is when a bad thing happens to you, get in your prayer closet and come out and change someone's life. Amen. That's the greatest thing you can do when you get a, you get a bad report from the doctor. After you process what's going on and get wisdom and direction, brush off your knees, walk out and lay hands on somebody. That's the greatest thing that you can do. But see, oftentimes we want to go inward and, and, and isolate ourselves. And, but no, but, but, but we have to understand we're following the example of Jesus. We're following the examples of Jesus. Number two, Jesus prayed when it came to aligning his will with God's will. Go to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. The first one, Jesus prayed when he over to overcome emotional hurt. Mark chapter 14, verse 32. It says, then they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit down here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be struck with terror and amazement and deeply troubled and depressed. Man, he's overwhelmed. Jesus is overwhelmed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sad, overwhelmed with grief, so that it almost kills me. Remain here and keep awake and be watching. And going on a little farther, he fell on the ground and he kept praying that if it were possible the fatal hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto you. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. So here, the second thing Jesus prayed, we see it said he prayed concerning aligning his will with God's will. And I love how he said, Abba, Father. In, in the midst of what he was facing, he, he uses the most intimate name That you could use for God. Abba, Father. This was like, he was saying, well, that lets me know that he, this wasn't something far away, but it was this joint partnership. It was this joint relationship that he had. And what did it do? It caused him to align his will with God's will. Now, you have to understand, this is, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but it just came up in my heart because religion has taught us, religion has taught people that that's a prayer that you pray in every situation. Well, if it be thy will, if it be thy will, no, no, there's this, this book is full of God's will. So when it says by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. I, I don't need to ask God's will. If it's God's will for me to heal me. So never pray for someone or yourself. Well, if it be thy will, Lord. This was the, the, this was a prayer of consecration. 
It's a, it's a totally different type of prayer. That's when, and I, when I teach on prayer a lot more extensively, I go into all these different types of prayer in this aspect. The only time to pray God's will is to consecrate yourself to the plan and the will of God. Not, not to, not to ask God's will when, from something you're already redeemed from. If it's God's will to heal you, if it's God's will to provide for you, is it God's will to do this? If it's God's will for that? No, this is for, that's the only prayer that is to align yourself with direction for your life. Okay? That's the only time that you're ever going to see that prayer. That's the only time that that prayer was ever prayed within scripture when Jesus was standing at the, the, at the gate of Gethsemane about, should I follow through with what you've called me to do? Not, not healing, not prosperity, none of those things, okay? So if someone taught you that and you learned that, you were taught wrong. That's not a correct prayer to pray in every situation. I might have kicked over some sacred cows for some people, but. You know, for instance, <laughs> if it's, if it, if it's God's will for you to have that sickness, then don't go to the doctor. Stay sick, get sicker, get sicker, get sicker. If it's God's will for you to be poor, get poor. Then quit your job, quit, do, do everything and live on the street. If it's God's will for you to be broke, if it's God's will for you to be sick, don't go to the doctor, quit your job tomorrow. Because after all, if it's God's will for you to be broke, then be broke. You know, that's how ignorant, that's how ignorant that is for someone to say, is this God's will for me to have this sickness? Wish I had longer to do that, but. Number three, Jesus prayed when it came to making decisions in his life. Go to Luke chapter six. Luke chapter six. Verse 12 says, now in those days it occurred that he went up into a mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Wow. The whole night in prayer to God. The whole night. <laughs> the whole night. <laughs> All night long. I just he's like, well, Pastor, I hope you don't call one of them nights. <laughs> hey, get ready. I mean, the whole night. You're like, no, come on, we don't really need to do that, Pastor, do we? The whole night. He spent the whole night in prayer to choose 12 people. <laughs> and I'm telling you, there's some people will, will spend five minutes in prayer to choose one person to spend the rest of their life with. I mean, I'm telling you, it, it's, the thing is, is Jesus was choosing 12 people that would change the world. And he spent all night to pray. And, and, and if you think of it, there's some of them, you're like, why did he choose him? <laughs> it's like, maybe he should have gone for night number two. <laughs> I mean, you had Peter, you had a task collector, you had, you had Judas, you had, I mean, but the thing is, is he had to get the mind of God because God knew how things were going to play out. 
So the thing is, is to get direction on what he needed to do, he had to spend time in prayer. Number four, Jesus prayed in regards to multiplication. Luke chapter nine. Thank you, Father. Verse 13 says, But he said unto them, Give you them to eat. And they said, We have no more but five loaves and two fish, except we should go and buy meat for all this people. For they were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, Make them to sit down by fifties and companies. And they did so and made them all to sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven. He blessed them and broke, break, and gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. And they did eat and were all filled, and they were taken up the fragments that remained, 12 baskets left over. So Jesus prayed when it came to multiplying. I I remember, I remember a story, I remember a time, the personal story, that when we went to Africa, and a year we went to uh, Tanzania. At uh, that year, they were having a severe drought. And one of the areas we were going to was in a Maasai area. And it was in the southern, the south side of Arusha, probably about uh, two and a half hours from Arusha. And um, we were, when we went down there, at that time, there was, as we were driving there, there was dead cattle everywhere, dead goats everywhere. Um, every, they hadn't, they hadn't had no water in that area, I think for two years and everything was brown and dry. And, and, and soon as we, soon as we showed up there and we, we heard about this, we, we, we started to pray. Well, by the third day we were there, it started to rain. And as it started to rain within one day, the, the, the ground was so fertile that within one rain, everything turned green. And, and so with that, there was, there was a shortage of food. There was, they had, they had to get food sent from different nations, Kenya and different places. And, and, and we went up to this one village and they had no food for a long time. And, and so we went up, we took about 90 tons of food up to this one area. And, and they, they would, they sent up the day before we got there. Cause I mean, it's, it takes a long time to load it. And you're talking about heavy bags. These are heavy bags of, of beans and maize and oil and, and salt and, Man, and, and so we were even helping un- unload some of them, move them. And, and, and so we get there and cause they would put up a day early that we'd get there and we would preach the gospel. And, you know, and there's a bunch of Maasai around and we're preaching the gospel that, that G- we're here to, for, we're here to declare Jesus. We're here. Jesus loves you. We're here to be an extension of him and he cares for you. And, and a bunch of people got born again and saved. And, and, and so, so anyway, we, as we, and we had prayed on the way up that, that God would multiply our food multiply the food that would reach beyond the borders of just that area. And so while we finish preaching the gospel and we praying, all of a sudden we see, we see dump trucks coming. We see dump trucks coming and all of a sudden the, 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 <laughs> the country of Tanzania heard that, that the Americans were there and had brought food. And all of a sudden they, they didn't want to look bad. So they came and they doubled the food. <laughs> so, so they multiplied the food. All right. The food was multiplied. It might not have been the way Jesus did, but, but it was multiplied, you know? And, and the thing was, is, is we were just doing what God told us to do. 
Not only that, but they, that one of the villages we went to and we fed people, that, that area would feed about, uh, I want to say it was about 10,000 people. And, and they, 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 and we prayed at that time. This was another time we went, another village we went. And, um, they said, they, they text us because we would do a certain part of it and we could only stay so long. And then we would go and do another outreach. And they, they let us know later that night that we were there at like nine in the morning. And I can't remember how long we stayed, but at almost 11 hours later, they were still passing out food. And they said it was like the book of Acts. They said that they were going through this, said great joy was in the city. Why? Because, because not only that, but they were able to call other villages in. And what happened is they were able to feed those villages. We only had enough for about 10,000 people. And we filled that whole village. And all of a sudden they called other villages to bring, bring things in. I didn't know. But so, so, I mean, I've seen these things happen. You know how God just multiplied the food. God just multiplied the food. But we see that in the life of Jesus. Number five, Jesus prayed when it came to manifesting the glory of God. Without turning there uh, for a sake of time, John chapter 11, verse 42, it says, he says in verse 42, he says, didn't, didn't I tell you if you'd believed, he said, you'd see the glory of God. And he's standing at the tomb of Lazarus and, and he stands there. He goes, he goes, Lord, he goes, Lord, I know you hear me always. He goes, I'm not praying for the, I'm not praying for me. I'm, I'm praying for them because what I know you hear me always. He goes, I thank you that you hear me always. You hear what the, the eyes are over the righteous and the, his ear is open unto their prayers. What did Jesus say? He goes, I know you hear me always. Do you understand? He hears you always. Verse six, I mean, number six. We can find in John chapter 14, verse 16, we won't turn there. It says, Jesus prayed when it came to sending the Holy Spirit. He goes, I will pray the Father that he will send you another comforter. I will pray the Father and he will send you one just like me. He says, it's expedient that I go away because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit cannot come. Number seven. Uh, go ahead and turn to John chapter 17. Number seven, Jesus prayed when it came to, uh, came to others for them to come to a place of knowing God. Jesus prayed when it came for others, future generations, to know, to know him. Now let me deposit this thought, because you, I mean, like, that's kind of like a weird statement. Jesus prayed for... Those that, that Jesus was praying for people that weren't born yet. Jesus understood that his prayers were eternal long after he was there. And, and a lot of times I think we, we see our prayers as, as um, insignificant instead of seeing our prayers eternal. Jesus was praying for, for people he had not seen yet. He was praying for you, Charlene. He was praying for you, Pastor Phil. Praying for you, Antoine. You? Verse, seven, verse 20, it says, this is Jesus. It's, it's one of his last prayers before he's betrayed. He says, neither pray I for these alone. Talking about his disciples that were standing there. Neither pray I for these alone, 
but for them also, for them also, for them also, which shall believe on me through their word. It's kind of like I'm, I'm praying for Joseph. But not am I just praying for Joseph, but I'm praying for every person that he ever talks to. So Jesus was said, I'm not just praying for John, but I'm praying for everyone else that's going to read the book of John. I'm not just praying for Peter, but I'm praying for everyone that's going to hear Peter preach on, on, on that day of Pentecost and 3,000 people get saved. See, Jesus interceded for 3,000 people. And Jesus gets what he prays for. See, he, he says, neither did he pray for them alone, but for all them that would believe on his word, on their word. Hallelujah. So this prayer. Let's go to John chapter 10. Give me about 10 more minutes. There's more examples, but these are the seven that... I wanted to bring out. Thank you, Father. Hmm. So I want to bring back this aspect of prayer that you understand that prayer is not a monologue, but it's a dialogue. I want you to see the, the vitalness of this life of prayer. And because we, we can see Jesus as a man, but without the understanding that he, he let go of all his rightful deity. He became, Philippians said, he laid down everything and he became a man in the likeness of man. He, he, Jesus, Jesus, there wasn't, Jesus didn't have one up on you. And, and you can't you can't classify him as well. That was just Jesus. No, Jesus purposely became like you and I, so we could become like him. So, so you understand this. So, when we talk about this prayer and following the examples of Jesus, I I want you to see that this was such a vital, living, breathing, day in and day out relationship with Jesus. And in in John chapter ten, verse. Um, Twenty-five. Yeah. Jesus answered them. He says, I told you and you believe not. He said, the works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not because you're not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now get this, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So Jesus is talking. So now get this, if Jesus is the good shepherd, it says nothing. And we hear his voice. So let's say I'm in Jesus. Jesus is pretty much saying I'm in his hand. So get a picture of that. Hold your hand out like that. Jesus says in this whole chapter that he's the good shepherd and he, and he says here, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Are you a follower of Jesus? And it says, and he goes, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. 
So just look, look at your hand and, and, and just see yourself in his hand. Do you get that picture? Okay, you can put your hand down now. Now, verse 25, he says, My father, which gave them me, is greater than all. Now, get this. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. Now, get a picture. We're in Jesus' hand. All right, now get a picture of God. Now, this is Jesus. That's. See, that, that is, that is relationship with the kingdom. And everything's keyed on this next verse. In verse 30, it says, I and my father are one. See, that's the, that's the key. That's, that's what we have to understand that, that Jesus' success and his life and ministry had nothing to do because his last name was Christ. His last name wasn't Christ, but, but the point was, was the I and the father are one. So a life of prayer comes down to this aspect that I and Jesus, I and Jesus are the one and I and Jesus and the father are one. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you see that's I and Jesus are one and Jesus and the father are one. Amen. I mean, if you kept re- we kept reading in John chapter 17, he, he talks about that the world would know you by your love one for another. That, that as, I, as my Father has loved me, so have I loved you. So, so understand that this aspect of prayer is not just this thing that, that you just speak words out of your mouth. But first of all, you need to be so, so um, on the inside of you that this prayer is you and the Father being one. You and Jesus being one. Do you see that? Do you see that tonight? Hallelujah. Prayer was Jesus' connection with the Father. And it brought great success in his life and ministry. Yeah, I got three more verses I want to go to. Let's go to Second Chronicles. <clears throat> Remember, prayer is about being connected to the Father. Prayer is joint interest. Prayer is communion. Prayer is fellowship. Second Chronicles 15. Because <clears throat> I want to connect this thought. Prayer was Jesus' connection with the Father. Say that with me. Prayer, Prayer. was Jesus' connection with the Father. Now I'm going to read this in Second Chronicles 15. I'm going to read the Amplified starting in verse 1. It says, The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, son of Obed, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. Now get this. The Lord is with you while you are with him. The Lord is with you while you are with him. You, he's a, God's a gentleman. The Lord is with you if what? If you're with him. You want a New Testament scripture for that? You draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. It always has to be our, our response first. It's our faith first. It's our taking a step first and he'll meet you every time. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is me drawing near to him. Prayer is, is, is me being with him and him being with me. 
Then right after that says, the Lord is with you while you're with him. If you seek him, remember prayer is about seeking him. You inquire of him. You'll be found by you. But if you become indifferent and forsake him, he will forsake you. Now, for a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a teaching priest and without the law. But what? When they were in trouble, they did what? They turned to the Lord. They turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and in desperation, earnestly sought him. And what? He was found by them. You see, is this aspect that, that, that this prayer is seeking him, is going after him, is being one with him. So Jesus' success was all about his connection with the Father. Connection with the Father. Say, with the Father. Jesus' life of faith, following his steps, is about being with the Father. It's about being with Jesus. It's about being with the Father. Now remember the scripture. Acts 10.38, how God anointed, Jim quoted on Sunday morning, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was what? But in order for God to be with him, what Jesus had to be with him. There's a lot of times people want God to show up, but... He's looking for someone to show up. And I'm talking about, earn, it's not about earning it. It's not, please, it's not about earning points with God. I'm just saying it's how the kingdom operates. <laughs> it's how the kingdom operates. And, and, and you and I are, are called to bring the will of God in the earth. The most important thing is for the will of God to be accomplished in the earth. In order for that to happen, we need to be one with him. Now, let me close with this. Isaiah 65. Isaiah, I'm sorry, Isaiah 62. Actually, it might be 65. Hold on. No, it's 62. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Actually, start, um, it wasn't starting verse 5, but let's go to verse 1. Amplified, it says, For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until her imputed righteousness and vindication go forth as brightness and her salvation radiance as does a burning torch. And the nations shall see your righteousness and vindication your rightness and justice, not your own, but his ascribed to you. And all kings shall behold your salvation and glory, and you shall be called by a new name with the mouth of the Lord shall name. And you shall also be so beautiful and prosperous as to be thought of as a crown of glory and honor in the hand of the Lord. Wow, look, you're a, you're a crown of glory and honor in what? In the hand of the Lord. A royal diadem, exceedingly beautiful in the hand of your God, in the hand of your God, in the hand of your God, you're in God's hand. Or nothing will pluck you out of his hand. You're in God's hand. You're in God's hand. While you're with him, he's with you. You're, you're with God. God's with you. Jesus did all these things and healed people that were oppressed with them because what God was with him. And here it says, you are this crown of glory. You are this in God's hand. 
Verse four, you Judah shall no more be termed forsaken, nor shall your land be called desolate anymore, but you shall be called Hesphabah. My delight is in her and your land shall be called Beulah married for the Lord delights in you and your land shall be married owned and protected by the Lord. For as young men marry a virgin, O Jerusalem, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Now, verse six, I have set watchmen upon your walls, O Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Who will never hold their peace day or night. You who are his servants and by your prayers. But the Lord is remembrance of his promise. Keep not silence and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and make her praise in the earth. Wow. Did you hear what this is saying? That you're like, oh, well, this is Old Testament. But he's speaking about he's speaking about the day we haven't seen yet. He, he th- this connects with the book of Revelations. And he, and I love that he says, I have set wet watchmen upon your walls. Oh, Jerusalem, who will never hold their peace? He's talking to the church. See, he starts off in the very first verse and says, for Zion's sake. Who is Zion? Zion is the New Testament church. And he's saying, I have set watchmen upon your walls, oh, Jerusalem, who will never hold their peace day or night. I'm telling you, the church has been silent too long. The church has let prayer be something that happens on the side when it needs to be happened right out in the open. You don't need to be ashamed of prayer. You don't be ashamed of praying for people or ashamed of a voice of prayer or praise or worship. I'm telling you, he says, he says, he says, never hold their peace day or night. You who are his servants and by your prayers, but put and says, put the Lord in remembrance of his promise and keep not silence. And, the, and give him no rest. I'm telling you, we need to make him busy. <laughs> make him busy. You didn't make God busy. You didn't make angels busy. <laughs> uh, some of you are not getting this. <laughs> make him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her a praise in the earth. Amen. Hallelujah. Keep him busy until what he has, his desire has come to pass in the earth. Woo. Everyone stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your faithfulness. Hallelujah. I thank you that you, you are, the Holy Spirit is birthing, is birthing the, the zeal and the desire Hallelujah. It said of Jesus, it said in the, it said in the Psalms, hallelujah. you know, when Jesus, it said he kicked over the, 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 the money changers that kicked over the, the tables where they sold in the house. And he says, you, you, you know, you made it a, a den of robbers, but it's supposed to be a house of prayer. But if you go back and you look at that in the Psalms and there's some sixties or so, it says this, it said that in one of the accounts in the gospels, it says this, it says they, they got a hold of what Psalm says. It says the zeal of my house has eaten him up, meaning, meaning the passion for God's house, the passion for what God's desire is, has, has eaten him up. And so that's why Jesus went over and kicked the tables out. Why? Because he was seeing the passion of God's house not being what it was meant to be. 
And I'm telling you, God's looking for a house. He's looking for this house and he's looking for the church to be a place of prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. Lift, lift, lift your hands to heaven. Hallelujah. And just out of your own heart and your own desire and just say, make, just, just say, if it's your desire, if it's not your desire, don't pray it. But if it's your desire, just start praying, make me a house of prayer. 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 Father, make me a house of prayer. Hallelujah. This is a house of prayer. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father, that this is a house of prayer. Uh, we are a house of prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, that, that we don't sleep or slumber. Thank you, Father, that, that, that we are, we are busy. We are watchmen on your walls. Hallelujah. That we will not keep silent day or night. But our Father, I thank you that, that, that we will see your will done in the earth. Thank you for, for just the spirit of prayer, the passion of prayer, a desire for prayer. Hallelujah. 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 The word says that we're to call things that be not as though they are. And I know that they, 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 this is this is a house full of people that are hungry for God, that are passionate for God. But I also know there's some people that that come, that come here on Sundays and may come here. Either you may be here tonight, but but my prayer is and I'm calling those things that be not as though they are. I declare that you are hungrier for God than you've ever been. Hallelujah. That you you are a seeker of God more than you've ever been. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. This city, this community is hungry after God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's my confession over this city. This city is hungry after God, hungry after the move of the spirit, hungry after miracles, hungry after the power of God, hungry. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. <laughs> there, there, there's some of you here that, <laughs> and that uh, you're like, you, you, you've been, you've been kind of reserved. And you, you've been that, that just conservative Christian, just reserved Christian. But I'm telling you, there's something about to happen in you. And you're going to be like, I never thought I'd do that. <laughs> I never thought I'd do that. And you're like, well, that, that might have been good for the day of Pentecost, but I'm not sure about that. Hey, 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 your pastor has prayed some things. <laughs> your pastors have prayed. Your, pra- your pastors have prayed some things. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, there is a there is a there is a, de- a deluge. There is a there is a spiritual awakening. There is a overflow of the spirit of God that is 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 hit. not saying going to is hitting this place. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> and I'm telling you, you. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm trying, I, I, I'm not into, you know, if you know me, I'm, I don't make things happen. I'm not into making not, nothing happen. If it's going to be God, it's going to be God. Not, I don't. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I'm just, just sowing this. Because it's going to happen. Amen. You know, the word says, you know, in Romans, it says, how can they, how can they hear unless someone be sent? And how can they hear without a preacher? And so, so you're in trouble because you heard it. 
You, you heard it. I, I sowed the seed. I, I sowed the seed. So, I mean, I'm telling you, it's, it's going to happen. <laughs> Amen. You, you received this tonight. Amen. We'll give him a shout of praise. Amen. God is good. You can be seated.